Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1962's The Manchurian Candidate, directed by John Frankenheimer and starring Lawrence Harvey, Frank Sinatra, and Janet Leigh. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? I watched Adaptation from 2002. Quality. You know, yeah, great movie, <laughs> right. Um, obviously, it's, it's the best, and um, it's kind of like... Even with, with a bunch of actors who have had a lot of career highs, I think that Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper, you know, especially are like they're exceptionally good in it. And uh, I, I it, it was kind of funny because I, I was inspired to read to, to watch it again because of a, a criticism from Guinevere Turner mm-hmm. uh, where she talked about how she didn't like the movie. Mainly because, not because of its quality, but because she didn't like that Charlie Kaufman took a book by Susan Orlean, The Orchid Thief, and made it all about himself. Um, which is okay, a valid criticism. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Still good, though. But that has nothing to do with the movie. It doesn't. <laughs> it, it, and, and that's why the criticism is a little off, but yeah. because I just like Guinevere, I, I you know... I still watched it, but but I appreciate what she's come where she's coming from. Yeah, and I mean, I try to appreciate the art for the art if I can. Yeah, but sometimes you can't really separate it from the artist. Yes, and and it, it varies by person to person. Your stance on that, of so. course. And and Charlie Kaufman definitely wasn't doing anything malicious. It would just happen to be he he wanted to do some kind of meta project about himself, and this was what he chose. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody should watch that movie. Yeah, it's Definitely. a great film. I, I would not go that direction with the criticism. Yes. I would say it's quite good. <laughs> Absolutely. I would that, like that, it. Totally fair. <laughs> right. Um, I checked out John Wick 4 last week with oh, my son in right. the theater, man. And what a ride. Yeah. Those movies are like some of the best action you can see like in the modern times now. Yes. Um, like... It's, this new one's pretty long. It's pushing three hours, I think. Oh, damn. And there's... A lot of fighting, not a lot of story, but that's not why you go to these movies, I guess. So. Right. But yeah, if, if you're a fan of the franchise, there's some excellent choreography and really there's one mind-blowing action sequence I've never seen done like this before and it's freaking awesome, dude. Okay. So I would totally recommend it if you are a fan of John Wick. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So now let's get into the Manchurian Candidate. Dave, why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Sure. Um, So there's this uh, Korean War platoon. They are captured by the enemy, and they're all, while while in captivity, they are programmed and brainwashed by uh, this Soviet institute. And um, Sergeant Shaw and Captain Marco, they're the commanding officers. They uh, Sergeant Shaw himself is programmed to be an assassin when he returns to America. And he's going to be used by the communists in what will eventually be a hostile takeover of America and then presumably the rest of the world. Um, the conspirators, uh, they also use, the conspirators also use American politicians in their schemes, which is the real story here. And I wanted to talk, have this discussion for some time, so let's do it. Yeah. This is awesome, Dave. Yeah. This is my first time seeing it. So I didn't realize yes, that. Yes, this is my first time seeing this one. Actually, oh I gosh. haven't seen any, any version of this film. I haven't read the book. Haven't done anything, so I went in blind. Wow! I've always known it's been a great film. I've heard about it, seen it on lists. I did not know what it was about, really. Like I knew it was about um, trying to infiltrate um, like politicians and stuff like that. Okay. But I didn't know. I, I went in blind, basically. Wow! And All right. I loved it. 
It was awesome. That's great to hear, man. I, I had, I was, like I said, I had no idea you hadn't seen it before, and I'm glad to hear that it had the right effect on you. That's cool. Yeah, freaking awesome, dude. Yeah. And so, like, going into it, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I thought at the beginning of the film opens during the Korean War, and and the troops are there, and you got Lawrence Harvey, Frank Sinatra, everyone's there. And it, the beginning here is only a couple minutes long. Yes. And it shows them getting ambushed in Korea and being taken somewhere via helicopter. Right. Um, and then it cuts, you know, 10 years later or whatever to modern times. Yes. Uh, 1962. And uh, you don't know what happened to them. <laughs> but you slowly find out as the movie goes on what happened to them and why they're acting the way they are. Um, it, it's bri- brilliantly structured and revealed and that reveal comes like really i I guess they the the way they frame it is in the form of a dream that all the the surviving platoon members are having yeah um where the with the we first see that with uh major marco having his dream that's frank sinatra's character right um and it's quite a strange dream like it's really bizarre um he's sitting in like a uh, uh, ladies gardening meeting or something. Yep. And uh, slowly the camera p- pans around and comes back around and they're in the same room, but now they're in like communist Korea or Russia or somewhere, China. Right. I, I don't know where they are. But I, I think it's in China. Yeah. And they're surrounded by these military men from the Chinese army. Right. There, there, there's Soviets there. There's Chinese. There's Korean. It's like, it's just the international communist conspiracy that everybody was told about back in the 50s. Yeah. And that that reveal of, like you said, the, the panning the camera around the room to, to where, like, the lady giving the talk about the hydrangeas is then revealed to be actually, like, this guy from, uh, this guy Yen Lo mm-hmm. uh, from the Pavlov Institute. Um, I don't think that any movie made today would attempt anything like this nightmare sequence in this form, you know? Yeah, it's... They would, like, lampshade it, you know, a lot. And yeah, and th- this, they, they just trust you to understand what's happening in the mind of these guys. Yeah, they do. Because when it first happened, I was like, whoa, what is happening here? Yeah. It's quite uh, jarring because the shot itself, folks, is the camera pans a 360 circle unbroken shot. And once it reaches back to the starting point, it's a completely different environment, completely right. different actors. They... It's movie magic how they made this happen. Like <laughs> right. I know at the time this was a groundbreaking shot. Right. Like nothing like this had been done before. I I think it might even still be groundbreaking, you know, as far as yeah. it goes. I mean, I it's it's 60 years later and I don't think anyone's attempted this kind of a of a uh, because like you're as confused as the as the guys would be. Yeah, and if you know how they make movies, you know, sometimes when the cam- camera is off a character, you know, they'll move off set real quick and yeah. be replaced by something else really fast and then the camera comes back over and it's different that got to be how they did this but and i don't know how they did this to this level <laughs> right. it's freaking fantastic they, they must have shot like the entire sequence with with all the cast members like in because it, it changes like even even as the the scene progresses and you see yen lo talking mm-hmm. he sometimes changes back into the into the lady yeah, and the people in the audience change from the other ladies of the garden club to the the communist brass. Yeah, 
this is when they're like actually making cuts and stuff. You yes. Know, this isn't all unbroken. Oh, yeah, you're right. But you're the right. 360 is all unbroken. Exactly. Which is great. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, they're cutting back and forth between the two different, you know, meetings. There's right. the military room and there's this gardening room. And uh, it's amazing how they're moving between the different characters and <laughs> saying different lines. But it's all meaning the same thing, kind of, yeah. to these guys who are being brainwashed. Right. Um, and like. Some of the, the gardening ladies, you know, these old ladies at their gardening club, you know, <laughs> talking about the hydrangeas and stuff. Like, they'll be sitting there holding, like, you know, a book or something. But then, like, it'll cut back later and she's holding, like, a knife. Yes. Or, or this lady, like, wants him to choke him with her scarf. Or It's just crazy how it's put together. Right. Um, and... Right. In in that old lady dress, yeah. like, like like talking and say, calling each other comrade, and yeah. um, I mean that, that that part is really rich for me because I'm just like to 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 see um, like just the the who stands in for who and yeah and yeah fantastic, it's great and uh, this is all the dream so uh, our nightmare I guess you could yeah, call it, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a recurring nightmare yes yeah. and uh, then Frank Sinatra wakes up from it and. I mean, this is like the first five, ten minutes of the movie. Right. Um, and it's really awesome they kick it off this way because it gets you thinking. Totally, man. <laughs> and and with it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really, really grabs you. And and within, of course, the, the way the dream always ends for, for Ben Marco is, you know, like they're, they're doing a demonstration. Yen Lo is doing yeah. a demonstration of how he has programmed Raymond Shaw. That's Lawrence Harvey's character. Yeah. And... They, they essentially make him like a guiltless assassin. He yeah. can just kill someone without thinking and he feels no pain from it. Yeah. And he strangles this guy, Ed Movoli, one of his platoon members, um, in front of everybody and no one lifts a finger. None of the other guys, they don't even notice it's happening. Yeah. And he get, and Ed Movoli gives no resistance because he's been brainwashed. And um, and that's how, like, you know, Sinat, you know, Frank... Uh, Ben Marco wakes up every night sweating and going, oh, my yeah. God, he just watched, you know, this guy get killed again. Yeah. And even later, there's another they show more of this dream every now and then. And later, he even shoots this kid in the forehead right, right in front of everybody. Right. And no one no one bats an eye. No one cares. Even the guy getting shot knows it's going to happen. He's just kind of sitting there brainwashed. He's just happy like, to be participating. I know I he's I smiling at Raymond yeah. while this is happening. And, you know, like and Raymond's smiling at him even, you know. And this is great for 1962. Like, this is... Was this before Bonnie and Clyde? Yes. I mean, like, this guy gets blasted in the forehead. The chair in his body goes flying, and there's blood splatter on the curtains that, and stuff. Like, I couldn't believe it. I never thought I would see, like, a blood splatter in a black and white film from, you know, pre the rating system. Yeah. You know, like, during the time of the Hayes Code. Right. This is... I, I, I this this really took um took quite a leap you know to put that kind of stuff in this movie yeah and I know when they were getting this made it was kind of the studios were nervous about this of course they were really nervous about this but I mean Sinatra was the reason this got made he championed the he whole had thing. the clout yeah and he was like we got to do this right we're doing it like this we got to do it he's one of the he's the biggest star in the entertainment industry in America and he got behind it and like. Like when when you have that kind of clout, you can you can make things happen even in that environment. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, really awesome, dude. Um, and of course, you know, like d- d- when Marco, 
he he is stationed in Washington D.C. after the war, and he's now like in an army intelligence, and yeah. he tells his fellow officers like in a in these meetings about this dream that he keeps having, uh, because he feels like it's not just a, a a weird nightmare he's having; it's somehow significant, and he he feels some, something is off. Yeah, and they they don't dismiss him outright. But they they reassign him to the public relations corps, mm-hmm. um, which starts propelling the rest of the story. Yeah. In which this movie, what it does is like, obviously it's 1962, so McCarthyism is still fresh in everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. And even though the Hollywood blacklist has been lifted, um, everyone still remembers, and that wound is still pretty fresh about what Joe McCarthy did to this country. Yeah, he ruined lives. He totally, completely, and and so many people went with him, and he was, you know, and he ruined the political process for for good. I mean, really, he went on a witch hunt, dude. Yes, and that never turns out well. Nope, and and the fact that it's still, I mean. I sat there the whole the whole time through this whole sequence through through every every scene that Johnny Eislin is in. Johnny Eislin is yeah. the Joe McCarthy stand-in, um, who just comes in and and with no basis, with no yeah. proof, starts saying that that like there are so many there are this many card-carrying communists in the in the United States government. Yeah. Um, just random random numbers every time he says it. Exactly. Too. Even within the same scene, he'll he'll yeah. you know like. Marco asked him, you know, several times, how many was that, Senator? Yeah. You know, 204. And how many? 106. I mean, he, because yeah. the guy's an idiot. He doesn't, doesn't know yeah. what he's saying. Which is true. We'll right. find out more about that later. James Gregory plays uh, Johnny Islin, and he's wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah. Everyone knocks this out of the park, I right. think. Um, J- Janet Lee doesn't have much to do. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, I think she's just kind of the girl, quote unquote, in the script. Well, um, so I because I've seen it a time or two. Okay, I, I'm just gonna put this out there. Now. All right, I'll, I'll put it out there now because it's a it's a it's really just kind of a theory. Okay, I think that Janet Lee as Rosie is Marco's American operator. Oh, you think so? I think so. Well, that would make sense. Yes, that would make sense. Why she's so upfront and forward with yeah. him, um, and follows him on the train, gets all these. She like just wants to get into his world as fast as possible. Yeah, right. Which made no sense. I mean, why would this beautiful woman? Just, I mean, it's Frank Sinatra. Come well, on, of but, course, I mean, yes, yes. But why would you? She she meets him once for an hour and then dumps her fiance and immediately wants to marry him and move in with him. Like, and she she's whispering about like how she. I told my fiance it's over, and oh my love, she starts yeah. cocking, uh, and she just picked him up from the from the police station. Okay, that makes sense. That's kind of smart. Yeah, I mean, this is a smart screenplay. Yeah, so, have you read the original novel? No, I haven't. Okay, so I don't know if there's anything about that in there or not. I, I don't I don't think so. Um, but when I when I first figured like kind of like started to have this suspicion, the remake in two thousand four just goes with it. Okay. That character is fully, you know, like it's it's like revealed toward okay. the end that, that that this is what's happening. And I was like, oh, so they must have noticed it too. That, that when makes they watched sense the though. Like that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So cool. Yeah. That's something the of the remake probably did very well then. Yes, exactly. Okay. The, the remake is actually very good. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I'll have to pop it in. Yes. I got both of them. So. Okay. Um and and that 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 scene where they where they meet, of course, is also I just think a really bizarre movie scene it, yeah. where they're talking on the train. It is, and I think Sinatra is really good in it though too because he's just 
he's tormented by mm-hmm. these dreams and stuff. So like every waking minute of his life, it seems like it's at least in the back of his mind. Yeah. And like, so he's overwhelmed on this train. Uh, so he goes to just relax, stand in a hallway or something. Yep. And she follows him out there. And the whole time he like, you can tell he's kind of uninterested in having this conversation yep. and he's just staring off into space. He's sweating and like uncomfortable. <laughs> he, he just does a great job. Right. Yeah, uh, so this might be Sinatra's best performance. Oh, I, I no in question a film. about it. I, I I love him in this movie, and I mean, like the his most I think his Oscar winning turn was in From Here to Eternity. Yeah, that's where he won. Right. Yeah. But this movie, he, he he's like, this is uh, this is an acting performance. Yeah. And um, and in this scene in particular, yeah, the sweating and the dialogue where where you know like Janet Lee just goes you know hey this is a you know Maryland's a beautiful state mm-hmm. she goes and he's like well we're not in Maryland or whatever yeah. and, and she's like <laughs> well Ohio is too for that matter uh yeah Columbus is a great football town <laughs> i mean like it's it's all this yeah. there there is it's this excellent dialogue that goes nowhere and she is so cool throughout it yeah and he is a sweaty mess he, he he looks bad. He's being rude. <laughs> right. Like he's giving every sign that he wants nothing to do with you right now. Just yep. leave him alone. Lady. I know exactly. But she's persistent. She just wants to keep making this very strange small talk, mm-hmm. and eventually he comes around. Um, but not without you know her prodding him. And then at yeah. the end, like th- this is what really kind of got it for me. What made me come you know kind of think of this? Okay. Like, suspect her is you know where she's like you know. That's Eldorado five six five four four. Can you remember that? Yeah, you know. When, you, I'm, you know what? When you say that, that reminds me. Like I felt like something was weird. Okay, okay. like I didn't know there were like these operators in America. That's true. At this point, at, at in the this film, point in the movie. But yeah. later, when Angela Lansbury's saying this shit, right. I'm like, Janet Lee said shit like that. Like, <laughs> is she? Did she do something? But they don't like really go anywhere no. with it. So I mean. And but that's awesome. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think maybe that was just part of the, the intention of it was just to like, okay, let's not even reveal her as this. Let's just, you know, like throw this out there just for like, if you, so if you see the movie 10 times, you're going to start suspecting something. Yeah. You know. And I, I said she has nothing to do in the movie, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean she's bad in the movie. Oh, like, no. She's great. No. Yeah. She's, she's good. awesome. Yeah. I just felt like it was one of those roles the studio was kind of like, we need a gal. Right, you yeah, know? exactly. He needs a girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Let's get Janet Lee in there. Yeah, and and like, I, I know that when you first see it, I mean, like, it's probably, it probably doesn't, you know, the the, the suspicion isn't there. But it, it but when you, once you like, once you do have the, the um, once you do try to, think that this is what's going on you can't unsee it in subsequent viewings you're just like oh my god she really looks like a cia handler in this movie in this scene god dave you just ruined my saturday because now (laughs) i have to watch the remake and the original again oh sorry dude yes of course (laughs) damn oh man (laughs) let's talk about um angela lansbury yes let's let's do it yeah i feel like when I, i said who stars in this movie we probably should have taken Janet Lee off and put Angela Lansbury up there because she was nominated for this movie. Yeah. And by God, she is <laughs> diabolically great. I know. This is one of the greatest villains I've ever seen, as female or otherwise. I know. Like, put her up there with Nurse Ratchet. Like, this <laughs> is, ooh. Yeah. So good. And it's it's just like there's layers to it and her. Um, oh, and it's it's revealed so well. I know. And and you, you like you hate her from the first yeah, moment you see her. Yeah, you don't like her, her right. ever in this movie. There's I, one 
there's one ounce of humanity for like a split second, and then she flips her tune again. That's true. Because you think maybe she's she's uh actually got a kind heart in yeah. certain ways. Yeah. No, it's just all for fulfilling her own selfish needs and <laughs> uh just oh my god, Dave, I'm like losing my mind. How good it is. <laughs> I know. Sorry. This this lust I have for no power. Words. Right. It's it's okay, man. I. I and because we know Angela Lansbury as what we know her as, I mean, we we didn't see this movie in 1962, right? Um, we 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 know her as this cuddly old lady, yeah. Um, Murder she wrote, exactly. And shit. Yes, yeah. um, we didn't know. At, at, if we were if we were going to the movies in 1962 and seeing this, we were just like, oh my god, who is this evil person? Yeah, and you know. I, I said that you don't like her from the start, and you don't, but you start to not like her for other reasons later on. Like yeah. you, you, you go through um, a weird relationship with her, where it's revealed more about who she is. She's not who you thought. She's not quite the. She's the. She's still a villain, but she's a villain within villain. It's like a nesting doll of oh, villain. Yeah. It's it's worse and worse. Yeah. Right. I mean, you just okay. I hate her. For, oh my god, I hated her now. I hate her now. I hated her then. I I really hate her now. You know. Yep. And oh my god, she. She actually wants to watch the world burn. This is, I mean, this is the Joker, exa- man. I mean, she is like an it's it's an agent of chaos for a very specific purpose. Uh-huh. And she is, I mean, it's it's just it's it's just some kind of role and some kind of performance. Yeah. So so who she is in the story? She is um, um, Raymond Shaw's mother. Yes. That's um, she has a horrible relationship with her son. Um. He hates her and his stepdad, like <laughs> rightfully so. They, right. They're they're utterly garbage people. <laughs> they're they're just politicians of the worst kind. Right. Yeah. And it's that early in the movie is it, you you see their their hate. Uh, Raymond reveals early in the film how much he hates you know his his yeah. mom and it's almost right off the bat. Right, he just goes right into it. When we first see them, he's getting back to America and he's getting a Medal of Honor. Right, um, which is all part of the brainwashing plan actually, which is great. Yes, um, but he's getting the Medal of Honor and his mom and stepdad show up to get a photo op. To boost his polls, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the only reason they're there. They're not there because they're happy their son has survived and he's getting this honor. <laughs> no, they're using it for their own gains. Right. Yeah. And that's the first time you see them. Yeah. And the the, the interviewer is like, uh, Mr. Eisen, like, are you how are you, are you proud of your son? And then Lawrence Harvey's just like, he's not my father. <laughs> like, and immediately, like, you know right away their relationship is awful. Right. Right. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and and you find out that um as bad as Senator Islin is, it's it's Mrs. Islin who is actually controlling him. He's a puppet. Right. She's telling him everything to say. Um all this stuff he's doing in public is complete like he, he doesn't even know what he's saying half the time. Yeah. It's it's all like stuff that she's fed him. Yeah. Um there's even the scene when he tells her, like, you, can't you just give me one number of communists? Because oh. I can't I can't oh. keep saying... Listen, babe, it's just a number I can remember. Something yeah. easy for me to remember. And, and she looks at the ketchup bottle and sees the 57. Yeah. And I, I, we I, smash I, cut to him. Yeah. There are exactly 57 card-carrying members. It's a great joke. <laughs> one of the few in the movie, yes. actually. Yes. It's, and it's a fantastic joke. And she just <laughs> is looking at him in disgust as he's oh. dumping this ketchup on his food. <laughs> While he's 
baby whining about this. It's a ketchup on a steak. Yeah. Oh, and he covers it. Oh, it's smothered. It's in just ketchup. like you fucking child. Yeah. You know, and earlier in the movie, she's telling like the, the butler, you have to boil these steaks for 11 minutes or yes. some crap like yes. that. I'm like, did she say boil? Maybe she meant, like, <laughs> cook? I don't know what she said. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But. That that is also like a, a fascistic move to boil a steak. Yeah. For Christ's sakes. Yes. I mean, oh, what's wrong with you, lady? This is America. <laughs> she is a communist bastard. Man. Which we find out is true. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, and and that's, that's the other part about like the, the other kind of subversive aspect of this movie is that like it posits that 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 McCarthyism was kind of warranted, but just not for the reasons that you think it was mm-hmm. like that. Yes, there are. There is an international communist plot to take over America, but it's being done by the people who are d- decrying it by the people who are in public saying that, that mm-hmm. they're coming. Yeah. And um, like that part of it has well, when I, when I see modern politicians, you know, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Getz and, and Lauren Boebert and they're, you know, screaming about QAnon and all this horse shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that they are not foreign assets. That's not what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I also know that what they're saying is not what they actually believe. <laughs> they're doing it just so that just to play upon fears of some really ignorant people. And unfortunately, it sweeps them into office. Yeah. And uh, it'll I mean, here we are in 2023 and it's still going on. Yeah. And that, that's what happens here. Yes. It, it works exactly like they plan. It works every time. Yep. You know, oh, man. So Sinatra kind of starts getting wise to things. Right. So his, because he he just seems like it does. He feels like it doesn't add up. Um, he says there's something funny going on with this Medal of Honor business. I think that's literally what he says. It is. It's very it's very Sinatra. It's very 62. Yes. Um, <laughs> because he's talking to his colonel who visits him. He, I guess he's the guy who appointed him to the public relations right. and all this shit. Right. And that didn't go well. So, like, they're going to put him on something else, I guess. Yep. Um, they're going to give him a, put him on leave. Yeah, they're putting him on a leave. Go lay on the, go lay yeah. on the beach, Ben. Yeah. They're not asking him to. Yeah. They're putting him on it. Um, and, like, he's like, when they asked me, like, what I think of Raymond Shaw, I said, he's the bravest, kindest, warmest, most, um, most wonderful, wonderful human, human being. being I ever known in my life. And he says, I said that, but he's awful. He's the worst. He's impossible to like. <laughs> but that's what I said. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. And and it's <laughs> it's really funny because yeah, he, he says it in a very when he says that about Raymond in the in the the meeting, he he looks like he believes it. Yeah. And he's very emotional about yeah. Raymond Shaw is the kindest, warmest, bravest, most wonderful human being I've ever known. Yep. And then um the next scene, we, we 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 go back to the dream sequence. Find out, and this is where we see uh, Raymond kill uh, Bobby, the yeah. Bobby Lembeck. Yeah. And when it's st- instead of uh, Bennett Marco waking up, it's one of the other guys in the platoon. This guy, Al, Al, Al Melvin. Yeah. Um, and he like his wife is like, "Hey, are, are you okay? You know what's going on?" He's like, "Do you have that dream again?" He goes, "Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I need to." I mean, she's like, "Maybe you need to talk to Sergeant Shaw." Oh, He's like, "Oh yeah, I really need to talk to him." You know, do you like Sergeant Shaw, don't you? He goes, and he, just in a very chilling moment, he says exactly what Frank Sinatra he said. He says the exact same thing, and his expression changes. Yeah. He he looks blank, 
in his eyes. All glassy-eyed. Like, he suddenly changes from this, like, emotional person who just woke up from a horrifying dream and is trying to be comforted by his wife. And then all of a sudden, snap. He's just, like, calm. Yep. Staring blankly into space (laughs) and says, he recites this line that he's been brainwashed to say. Right. Shocking. I know. It's pretty, it's It's, really good. Yeah. It sends shivers up your spine, actually. It's like, like, what is going on, man? To, to, like, to have been programmed in any way um, to do anything against your will, but then also to, like, I mean, the whole point of this, this part of it, of, 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 like, the, the platoon guys thinking this is because, you know, Raymond can't have any guilt when he, when he kills people, but you also can't look at Raymond as evil. You have Mm -hmm. to look at him as, like, hey, this guy's right in everything he does. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and the way Raymond is triggered uh, to do his his stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, the phone will ring and the voice on the other end of the line will say, Raymond, why don't you pass the time by playing a little solitaire? Yep. Tell him not just who to kill, but what to do. What to do. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. That's that's how you know you got him. The the visual of just flipping the cards is yeah. is exciting. Um, and... The, the performance here is, like I said, similar to like what I don't remember who's playing Al, but they the, the way they look glassy eyed into the distance, like I know. they look disconnected. Right. Like uh, Lawrence Harvey does this himself, like and it's yep. his whole body, yeah. like his whole the way he carries himself, the way he looks, uh, the way he talks, just everything is just no longer real. Right. It's just he's become a robot. His the the Raymond Shaw characterization just like disappears and mm-hmm. and it's not and he he physically becomes something else like this this just you know agent of he he's now a a droid mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and he does it even without even whilst just sitting in a chair you can see which is Raymond and which is the uh you know yeah you can tell when he's activated right. and not <laughs> yes, exactly. it's pretty good yeah. There's there's a sequence in the middle of the movie where he accidentally gets triggered. That's awesome. Which is wonderful. Yeah, he's at a bar. He's gonna meet uh, Sinatra at this bar because they're kind of they've kind of gotten together. They know something's up, right? But they don't know what. Um, so they're gonna meet at this bar, and the bartender's telling a story to these two patrons, and he mentions something about playing solitaire. Yep. And that triggers Lawrence Harvey to play solitaire right he immediately is like give me a deck and the bartender just tosses him a deck of cards and he starts playing and then uh he sees the queen and at that moment he overhears the story the bartender saying he says why don't you go jump in the lake in central park and so lawrence harvey immediately leaves and goes to central park and jumps in this freaking lake and, and Frank Sinatra follows him because he wants to know what's happening. He yeah. he sees like the the he activation. He sees this happen. Yeah. He's like, "What the? What's going on?" Right. Yeah. And he eventually follows him to Central Park and sees you know Raymond jump into the lake and mm-hmm. and and then he asks him, "Why'd you do that?" He goes, "I don't know." He has yeah. no idea. He, and he doesn't remember being in the bar. Like it's all it's all blank to him. Yeah. And and at this point too, like before this happened. Um, Frank Sinatra is with, or ben, Mar- Marco is with uh, Raymond because um, right before this, he had gone back. Marco had gone back to the to the army uh, to, to army brass and yeah. like convinced them that he was that this dream is is very significant. Yeah, there's something going on. Right, and um, he 
identifies two people from the dream in these like stock photos they have of like inter- known yeah. uh, saboteurs and uh, it, what the, the the reason the army thinks that it's it's um, it checks out is because the guy Al uh, was interviewed like a week ago and he identified the same two guys yeah. from his dream. So they're mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, this is real. Something's happening. There, a brainwashing happened. And we got to figure out why. So they assign him to be Raymond's um, like now kind of undercover handler. Yeah, yeah, to try to deprogram him. Mm-hmm. And now now that he's seen this happen, he's able to connect the dots. Like, right. He's like, okay, so. Once he started playing these cards and he saw a queen or whatever, and then he overheard stuff, something happened. So he knows the deck of cards has something to do with this. Right. So they start kind of investigating that. Yes. And they know, uh, like, normal cards, probably nothing. Face cards have significance, you know, just through any kind of card thing yeah, throughout history. It's right. fa- always face cards. Yeah. Um, and they know his relationship with his mother's bad, so they think maybe the queen's. And, like, so that's how they get onto this. It's, like, pretty good psychology here. And, and Raymond, like, yes, it is like the, the, um, the way they've structured the, yeah, the brainwashing is pretty brilliant. I mean, like the, the, the layers that go into it and you're so familiar with it and you're so kind of like invested in how this works and you know what can trigger Raymond. So when they're at that party and Raymond's and Angela Lansbury just turns around and looks at Raymond and goes, Raymond, why don't you pass the time by playing a little solitaire? You immediately know like what, what is now what he's now in for and what she's about. Like she has been the wife of essentially Joe McCarthy through this whole thing. And now she's revealed just in one line, you know that she's actually in charge, uh, not just of the Senator, but in charge of the entire communist conspiracy plot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic reveal. I keep saying how well things are revealed in this movie. And this is like the most important, best reveal in the movie because you don't suspect her to be this bad. Right. At least I didn't. (laughs) I know. I knew she was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but she turns around and triggers him and she thinks nothing about it. No, she's just like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. And, and and she's about to like you know have him do the thing and mm-hmm. then and then they're interrupted by uh the arrival of um Josie and uh Thomas uh, yeah. Thomas Jordan Senator Thomas Jordan yeah um who is Senator John Eisland's arch enemy yeah um Senator Thomas Jordan is played by John MacGyver and uh this guy th- this actor mm-hmm. John MacGyver um he he's a, he Looks like he fl- kind of came in from another from another decade almost. Yeah, he's got the mid Atlantic uh, d- uh, yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah, and um, and he is his policies, of course, are diametrically opposed to to what Senator Eisenhower right. stands for. Mm-hmm. And he also is an audience stand in in 2023, just because when she at when um, Angela Lansbury asks him, you know, we want to make we want to like you know reach across the aisle here, and we want to you know. See about the nomination for for Johnny for vice president. Yeah. If that happens, will you block us? And he doesn't hesitate and says, "I will use every every penny I own and every moment of my life to block you yeah. to make sure that you don't get that nomination." Some people think of Johnny as a, a buffoon. I do not. He is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And what you've done to like our to to our institutions with this crap is 
you've ruined it. You, 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 you've ruined it for all time. Mm -hmm. And like to make that statement in 1962 and to see what the result of it has been in 2023. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, this is all part of her plan right here. Now she's like, all right, it's, it's definitely on for sure. And she, cause she has to make a new plan now, um, which is he's got to go. Yep. And, so that's what Raymond does. That's what Raymond does. And and we didn't mention it, but Josie is the love of Raymond's life. Right. And she's the daughter of, you know, yes, basically her parents, yes. his parents' arch nemesis. Right. So, you know, that's a Romeo and Juliet situation there. You can't. <laughs> right. it, man. And and we saw earlier in the film that Angela Lansbury had just sabotaged their relationship because, you know, she hates um the, the she, hates, she hates Jordan. Right. Yeah, hates him. So she makes him cut it off with her, and it breaks his heart. It basically turns him into a like he just hates everything now. And and she did it with like this. She she wrote this vile letter, mm-hmm. you know, and made him sign it. Yeah, you know, and it was like, and when when she's Angela Lansbury is there. There's great camera work in this movie where like people are in the foreground, and then there's deep focus of another person yeah. in the background. Yeah, and they're usually kind of like whispering to them. Um, great faces, you yeah. know, uh, really, uh, attention to is paid to, you know, like that, that foreground and background work. Yeah. And she is like just hissing these like Republican fear mongering talking points into his, into his, uh, yeah. and Man. he, he wants to say, shut up mother, but he can't because he's been, he's been programmed by her since birth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To obey. Yes. Man. And when he walks in, she's like, I want to talk to you about that communist tart. <laughs> God, it's so God. good. Oh, the man. The way she delivers it. I know. Oh, baby. Yeah, yeah. She spits like those snake lines. snake bite. Oh, she's all, she's so good. She's so goddamn good in this So movie. freaking good. Yeah. Um, And then later, she has a big plan. Like, well, I think, you know, Raymond should marry Josie. And uh, you're like, really? Like, she wants this now? And I know. Yeah, it's, it's all for political gain. Yeah, of course. That's why. She's like, we'll have the uh, the wedding in June right before the primaries or some shit like that. And you're like, oh, yeah. So yeah, she's naturally. Just, yeah. This is, yeah. This is all just a game again. Sure. Yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> God damn. It's almost like God. it's like medieval political alliances. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, she like, should be drinking from a goblet. I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, oh, uh, I, I'm going to have you marry the, the daughter of the king of Spain. I mean, what the fuck? We're in 1962 yeah. here. Yeah. I, it's just. <laughs> it's... Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. So, like, <laughs> th- th- this love between Raymond and Josie really, like fuels him right uh fuels raymond you know he feels alive you see it in the movie like they got married that night yep um she she snapped him out of his hip hypnotic state because she's wearing a queen of hearts costume at that the costume awesome. party yeah or a queen of diamonds queen, and yep. uh it was just great a coincidence but man it worked and <laughs> he didn't do his bidding that night because he snapped out of it saw the love of his life got married he's happy <laughs> and then his mother has to fuck it all up <laughs> Because now she brainwashes him to kill the senator and his daughter in what's a totally shocking scene. He walks in to the house and Senator Jordan starts talking to him in a very friendly way and says, you know, like, I'm glad you're a part of this family. And, you know, yeah, um, let's I, celebrate. Yeah, this is amazing. Right. Uh, and, and you know, my boy, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have you here. And and Raymond just takes out a silenced pistol and you know, Jordan looks at him, well, what are you doing there? And yeah. without thinking, 
He just shoots him. When they give it time to breathe, too. Like, he just is walking. Oh, yeah. He's not rushing in and doing it. He's slowly just walking in casually. Right. Like normal and just has pulls a gun out like it's nothing. Just holding it. Still talking. And the senator sees it and it's just like, why do you have that? And then shoots him. Right. Man. Shoots him through the carton of milk. Which, like... All the all the the techniques that are used in yeah. this movie were like I mean th- this is this is the origin of that yeah you know like we we've seen it in other movies to like like more violent effect yeah, but this Terminator is Terminator Two exactly <laughs> That's a good one exactly <laughs> this is where it started I mean yeah and then he falls on the ground because he shoots him through the milk carton like into his chest right and he falls down and Josie hears this I guess or comes down something and it's like oh my god. Uh, Raymond, what's happening? And as she's saying that, he blasts him in the head, and you see that, right? And then he turns and shoots her in the head. That's the one wow. where, where like you're you're maybe expecting there to be some kind of like back and forth between him and Josie, yeah. and there's not. It's very abrupt, right? Which I think is used to great effect. Yeah, it wouldn't have been the same without this. He doesn't say. It's just you know like the we we've seen the effect that Josie had on him. It's not just that he loves her. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he loves himself. Like he, he talks to, to to Ben about how, like, oh, I was very lovable, Ben. Yeah. I am not a lovable person, but I was lovable when I was with Josie. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a great uh, monologue by by Lawrence Harvey about, like, mm-hmm. he says, you know, something like, oh, Ben, you wouldn't have believed just how damn lovable the whole thing was, because mm-hmm. he's like kind of pissed at himself for being a good person. Yeah. Um, but he's also like really happy that that like someone could bring this out of him. So obviously, this person had a huge effect on him, and he just kills her without without a second thought. Right. And the scene's not even. There's no like action based cuts nope. or dialogue or anything like it's it's not meant to be exciting or scary or thrilling. It's presented like very realistically. Yeah. Like you just kind of turns and boom, unexpectedly, she's dead like right away. Yeah, man, dude. And, and, <laughs> man. and honestly, I, I, we keep saying this, but like it feels out of place in a movie made in 1962. It does. It does. You know, they, that's not how they handled things back then. Like this is modernity in in a in a black and white movie made before the MPAA was born. Yeah, um, really, really something. It's great. Oh man, so, oh, <laughs> I guess so. They're they're out of the picture now, and right. And Mother Dearest is happy. <laughs> yes. Oh God. And mm. she then like we, we we already know just from from her saying what she said. You know, like the reveal about like how she she uses the triggering phrase to activate him, mm-hmm. and and what she when she ordered him to kill Senator Jordan and Josie. But now um, there's a, there's a a speech that Angela Lansbury makes toward the end where she fully reveals like the, the, the breadth of the plan. Yeah. And this is after Sinatra tries to unbrainwash him. Oh yeah. That's right. Using a deck. That's right. All queen of diamonds. Yes. A full full deck. I'm glad you brought, um, but that, that, that scene. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because like, it is really important in that, like, he asks Raymond to play solitaire to like to also like deactivate himself. Yeah, you know he, he wants to find out what's happening, but he also wants to reverse everything that's happened. Yes, um, and eventually he does like he deprograms Raymond in, the, in that moment, and then the phone rings and it's his operator telling him to go meet with his mother. Yeah, and he goes and meets with Angela Lansbury, who tells him what's going to happen that night. The Democratic convention is or the the Republican convention is coming up. And it's going to be that night and it's going to be the, the, the nomination for President Arthur and Vice President uh, Senator John, you know, Iceland. Yeah. yeah. And 
she, there's this speech that the that the nominee is going to give that has been worked on in Russia for the last you know however many years, yeah. and they are going to put a a foreign asset in the White House, and this is all her brainchild. Yeah, and uh, so the this fantastic scene of her telling Raymond the plan. Um, he's sitting in a chair. This is after we we get the D brainwashing sequence with Sinatra. Right. So he goes over to his mother's house to get programmed. Um, and we don't know if it worked or not, if he is deprogrammed or if he's, In the moment, we don't. In that moment, we don't know right. if he if it fixed him and now he's just pretending to be brainwashed or if it didn't work. Um, so he's sitting in a chair and he looks like he's being programmed by his mother. And she... This is the scene where she just goes all out, right? Like villain, right? One of the best parts of her amazing overall performance, yeah, is this scene. And Raymond's just sitting there taking it in as she's just going on this monologue about what he's going to do and what's going to happen. And uh, he's man. and Lawrence Harvey is staring straight forward without blinking. And did you notice how bad he looks? Like like the the bags under his eyes. Yeah, and he the, looks. Look, yeah. he's been up for three days. Yeah. Um and. When she is, when when she's saying all this stuff to him, of course he's just yes, ma'am, yes, mm-hmm. ma'am. He's he's like, like you said, we don't know if he's been deprogrammed or not. So he's like just kind of drinking it in. Yeah. And then when she gets in front of him, after she's already laid out the plot and what's going to happen, and and like the whole the whole part of the the whole plan is that like, she's going to have Raymond kill the presidential nominee. Yeah. After after this one beat in the speech, and then. Uh, Islin is going to like cradle the dying man in, in his arms yeah. and heroically take the nomination for himself. And because of this, you know, in, amazing incident, he's going to be swept into the white house. Right. Um, and then she tells him that like, she wanted this to happen, but she didn't want the, uh, the assassin to be him. Yeah. That was an accident. They didn't tell me it'd be you. Right. Something like that. And once Johnny is in the White House and our power is uh, consolidated, uh, I'm going to grind those people into the dust. Mm-hmm. And I believe her. You know, yeah. I, I, I think that she would go like she would go to the U.N. and like essentially just, you know, start pointing out people who are going to be killed. And, and that's what would happen. I can see it. Yes. Because she's so selfish. Exactly. And, and she's and she would have unlimited unchecked power at that yep. point, too. Um, yeah. And then she kisses him full on the lips. Yes. This was a big, uh, big talking point back in the day. Right. Because I think in the novel, there is some kind of incestuous relationship. Yes, they fully are. Uh, they have a sexual relationship. Yeah. And uh, in the film, it's not really put in there much. But in this scene... When she kisses him on the lips, you're you really feel it. You're like, yep. "Oh my god." Right. I didn't know this was going on. Holy crap. Because and it's because it's our show, we we can't avoid uh, I know, it, right. It, dudes I on mean, incest is a known trope. I mean, unfortunately, it's <laughs> <laughs> just who we are. Can I tell you something? Yes. I, I asked ChatGPT to review our podcast. Oh. And um they got a lot of things wrong, but a lot of things right. But they did not mention the incest thing. So okay. we, we got to work on that. Okay, very well. You one, know, one of these days, we I will have to read that on air. Or, <laughs> I'll show you now, but like, yeah. listeners out there, it's hilarious. Oh, my God. Well, the, 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 
Jesus. I'm already afraid of AI and yeah. all that it represents. So now, now that I know that it, it can't even get our shit right, all right. Well, now, yeah. now I'm now I'm in really it, intrigued. It thinks your name is Adam. Holy Christ! <laughs> oh man. So you're safe. <laughs> okay, that, that's safe that's from good. the robot overlord. That that's good. All right. Yeah. Very well. These programmed assassins are not going to get you. I feel better now. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I just derailed it because that triggered in my mind. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so now it's um, it's time for the uh, <laughs> time for the convention. Time for the yeah the convention here. <laughs> um, Sinatra's waiting around for a phone call at eight thirty because he told Lawrence Harvey like, hey, you know, find out what's going on and then you call me. Yeah. And we'll come and we'll we'll fix things. And he never calls him. He's at the convention setting up in the uh, crow's nest with his rifle. You know, so mm-hmm. you're thinking, wow, he he's really going to do this. Right. And Sinatra knows that he's been bamboozled. And uh, <laughs> so he and the colonel run down to the convention with a bunch of guys and they're trying to find him and stuff looking around. And um, it culminates with the speech from the presidential nominee. Yeah. And uh, he's given his speech and, you know, it's about to happen. And Raymond, it shows the sights on the president and everything. And um, he gets to that speech. Right as Sinatra is about to get into the crow's nest and stop him. Right. And and he says what he's going to say, and then you hear the rifle go off. Um, and he's he moves from the president to the senator, the VP nominee, his stepdad, and fires at him. And then reloads and shoots his mother in the head. <sighs> he Blam, blam. I mean, he was deprogrammed after all. He was deprogrammed. And he does this. Uh, it's quite shocking. You yeah. don't expect this to no. happen because the movie does a great job subverting you and you feel like he's going to do it still. And Sinatra's got to get there and stop him because he's our hero, you know? Yeah, of course. Right. But uh, that's not what happens at all. <laughs> he kills his parents because what he says is it was the only way to stop it. Yep. Because you couldn't stop him. No one could stop them. And in and, and this scene, Sinatra, like, opens the door right after it happens, and he's putting his Medal of Honor on his neck after he killed his parents. Right. Because, really? Throughout the movie, like, he is he hates that he has this medal. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And because he didn't do anything, he th- he thinks. Like, right. It's not worth it. Or, um, um, and he when he actually kills these two people who are going to destroy American society... <laughs> He puts it on because he feels like now he's actually done something to help the country. Which it's he, a great touch. Which he has, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he has but saved. But no one knows that. Exactly. And, and no one will ever know. Um, yeah. Because of what, ha- I mean, and, you know, when, when Sinatra comes into the to the assassin's perch there, um, I, I love how he just has this blank stare on his face the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. he, he, he kind of knows what just happened. And then he looks at Raymond, and Raymond says what, like, you alluded to, that he's got his Medal of Honor on, and mm-hmm. he says, you couldn't, you know, yeah. you couldn't have stopped him. Uh, stopped him. And then he watches Raymond oh. commit suicide. Yeah. He blows his own head off. Yep. You don't see that. Right. I mean. You just see him turn the yeah. gun toward his face. You see it face. go up, and then a, a quick cut to Sinatra's face yep. as it goes off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I mean, Whew. I know, I know. It's 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 like, and then we we have a, a very strange cut back to just Sinatra looking out the window of his apartment, and he has this um, 
he has this book that's got uh, like the exploits of per- previous Congressional Medal of Honor winners. Yeah. And he's reading their stories, and then he adds Raymond's that's not in there yet. Yeah. About the real thing that Raymond did, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, saving American society, pretty much saving the world. Yeah. Um, and that story just can't be written because the government would never, uh, right, let that let that story out. Yep. And and the last word of the movie, he says like hell, yeah, hell, and he looks out the window and the thunder claps. Yep. Oh, dude, it's wonderful. And I picture Rosie, like. S- sitting there in the living room while listening yeah. to him talk. That's Janet Lee. Yes. Um, and I just think that she's, you know, like a- after he makes this speech, you know, she's now making a new plan. Um, yeah. And probably. she's probably reporting back to Moscow and to, to say, I'm still here, you know, and we're getting married by the way. Yeah. Uh, he proposed to me and we're going to, you know, like set up shop. Uh, yeah. That That's likely what happened. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But man, <laughs> What an ending! I know, this is a this movie's awesome. Yeah, this there, movie group, this movie's great. There's one thing we didn't talk about was the karate fight in the middle. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm apparently the first karate fight on film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, Amer- in American movies, that there had never been a martial arts brawl, uh-huh. and it took place between Frank Sinatra and Henry Silva. Yes. Henry Silva. Un- this the most unfortunate part of the movie is that there is some yellow face in yeah. this. Yeah. It's Henry Silva playing Chun Jin, yeah. who was the um, like the liaison who uh, like was supposed to be like translating for the American troops while yeah. they were in Korea. But then he turns on them and like he, he's part of the ambush. Um, and yeah. he also then comes to America after the war to be Raymond's like uh, butler. who's yeah. going to he's going to like spy on him. And when when Marco first comes to the to the house to like visit Raymond, he like something triggers in him when he sees yeah, Chun he Jin, sees him. and they just start brawling. Yeah, dude. Um, and you see, f- this is like Captain Kirk karate right <laughs> oh, here. Oh man, dude, it's just yeah. the most hilarious yeah. judo you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah it's, oh <laughs> god, a lot of like throwing and and weird uh, yeah. like. The chops are oh man yeah the 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 square movements of the chops yeah uh it, it's. It's it's yeah it's it's that Star Trek uh like <laughs> obvious stuntman stuff you know only this is like really happening and yeah I mean and it's weird like th- that that style of fight where everybody's just kind of throwing each other mm-hmm. um yeah really grabbing something. you and you fall to the ground yeah and, yeah yeah just grappling and <laughs> not not a ton of action as, as far as like today's standards go but right. I mean like there's stuff happening and it is exciting. Yeah. Ex- um, I mean, it is a legit fight scene. And like you said, it's a lot of it is them doing it. Right. Sinatra broke his finger during yeah. the fight because he literally chops through the table <laughs> yes. in the movie. You see the chunk of the table fly off. Like, right. Dude. <laughs> and that's where he busted his finger. For right. Real. Like it's a prop table, but like, yeah, he chopped it. Pretty awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, there's no way. There's kung fu in this movie <laughs> from 1962. I know, I know, and it just like it's it's so funny that it starts with with no dialogue. Yeah. He, he just attacks him. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and then the end of the fight is my favorite part of it, where like the cops come in 
and uh-huh. Sinatra, he, he's got like Henry Silva's arm in like a, a, yes. a, a vice, and he's just pummeling him. He's like, hey, what, what was Raymond doing there? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Who are those guys? You he's, know? he's got his leg, and he's oh, that's kicking right. him yes. on that's, the floor. Yes. And the two cops come up behind him, and Sinatra elbows the cop. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he ends up in jail, for, right. and Janet Lee bails him out. Yes. Because she met this man one time before for 30 minutes. And this, yes, oh, exactly. Dude, yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so crooked, good. dude. Yeah, yeah. She's, you're totally right. She's <laughs> got to be crooked. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. I, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Dave? Um, well, just I'm glad you brought up the the whole thing with Chun Jin because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's obviously the part about the movie that's age the worst. Yeah. And, and it's weird too because like the rest of the film has a lot of um like there's a a ton of roles for like uh you know people of color. Yeah. You know there there's there's the guy that the psychiatrist. Um, played by this guy Joe Adams. Yeah. Um, he's apparently not really a, a, a full time actor. He was like a, a he was in the entertainment world. He was like in the music business. Uh huh. I don't know how John Frankenheimer knew him, but he's a pretty good actor. Maybe Sinatra knew him. That's probably it. Yeah. Exactly. And they have that great scene together where they're um he's like talking about the psychology of solitaire, and he's yeah. you know uh and Sinatra's that is a fantastic yeah, scene. Great scene. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the. I'm trying to think of like anything else we missed, but I mean, it just the the it, when you watch this today, you you will be so pissed off at how like no one has learned the lessons that the movie was trying to teach right. in the last sixty years, and yeah. that politics has actually gotten well farther down the bowl than, yeah. than what than what it was back then. <laughs> yeah, we're, they're probably all implants right now. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and, and God only knows who the who the foreign power is. I mean, it's it's not even a country. It's just some some like terrible ideas that that is just. That's not only preventing us from changing the status quo, but that it wants to take us completely in the other direction. Mm-hmm. It's lizards from outer space. Uh, it's what's going I on, I mean, Dave? Well, someday I will get those glasses, and <laughs> and then you and I, I guess, Ob- will have like yeah. a, a twenty-five minute fight scene we in a need dumpster. To obey, yeah, yeah. That's you know? the greatest fight. Better than the kung fu in this movie <laughs> is the they live alleyway fight. <laughs> the fight that just never ends. It it doesn't. There's like fourteen endings, and it just keeps going. <laughs> That might oh, be shit. coming up soon, folks. That, so. that sounds pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that'll go down easy. Uh, this movie, though, The Manchurian Candidate, 1962, it was on the 100 greatest American films from AFI. Yes. In um, ni- the 98 list. I think it fell off in the the most recent list. Oh, really? Yeah. But, I mean, what can you do? Well, I mean, I, I get pissed off at the AFI here and there. I mean, yeah. like, I'd love to work there if they'd hire me. But, like, <laughs> I, I find myself, like, you know... I, I I, I wish they they would not be quite so. How did it fall off the list? I mean, this is this is a masterpiece. I don't know, but if you want, I got a deck of cards. I can program you to to infiltrate the AFI if you want <laughs> me well, to. Dave, why don't you pass the time by playing a little solitaire? Yeah, but we'll use Ace of Spades. Oh, there we, there we go. go. Okay, okay, perfect. <laughs> oh my god! That way, when you hear the song, oh my god, yes, you're gonna go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, would you recommend the movie? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yes, I would. Um, and oh, man. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend the movie. And, and I, I hate the idea now that you've programmed me to where I can't watch a Triple H match without like being like activated. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right. The, everybody, I think you could probably tell we both think this is a five star movie. Absolutely. Is that true, Dave? Yes. Yeah. This is a must see. Everyone should watch it. Even if you don't like black and white films, you don't like pre MPAA films films i mean go for it right it's the 60s 
there's groundbreaking stuff in here. If you've listened to this episode, you've heard about it. Right. Um, we spoiled the whole thing for you, but that doesn't mean you can't go enjoy well, it. Of course. And it's I, amazing. Yeah, and, and please, like, look, honestly, if, if you if you have something against, like, older films, I mean, you know, just plug in because you're missing out on some great stuff. Yeah, this is fantastic. Okay, so that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate it and review it. Most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. You can also go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Right, and Dave, we have a question of the week. What's the question of the week? Uh, What is the bravest movies made about the political process? Nice. So call into our voicemail, 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833. Also hit hit us up on social. Tell us your answer. Yes. And stay tuned next week for 1992's Encino Man, directed by Les Mayfield, starring Sean Astin, Brendan Fraser, and Pauly Shore, and special appearance by Kihai Kwan. How about that? That's why we're doing it, man, because these guys brought home the gold. We're doing Encino Man. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time.